On Podcast 1885, Fisker show off their new Ronin, Pear and Alaska amidst existing production woes. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Welcome to a new Patreon producer, Bennett, signed up a few days ago. Thank you very much for being an enormously kind supporter of this show. Bennett Leshnova. Thank you very much for being a producer. And if you'd like to do the same, you can support my work. This is how I make a living. And you can strip out the ad to get your own private RSS feed that you just copy-paste into your favourite podcast app, whatever that may be. I use Overcast on my iPhone, for those wondering. Uh, then you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash evnewslady. No, $5, $10 a month. Businesses often want to pay more. Or individuals support more just because you're amazing people. Thank you. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for Saturday 5th of August. My name is Martin Lee and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. Recording this one late on Saturday because my wife asked a long time ago if she could go have lunch and drinks with old school friends with the girls and so it's uh, just been me and the little lad all day today which was fine until the afternoon but then I ran out of both energy and things to do. Oh, it was raining all day as well so after swimming lessons and playing in the park and playing with his planes and playing football going to the park and doing the swings uh, and uh, totally out of energy this evening. So uh, family are in bed and I'm outside uh, working, doing EV news. Uh, but it was a lovely day. <laughs> it was a lovely day, but ever so slightly broken right now. Let's talk about the news yesterday then, which was Fisker uh, with their product Vision Day in Huntington Beach, California, where they showcased some new vehicles. And one we knew was coming was the Pair. That's the SUV. And we saw it for the first time. The Pair is going to have a price of... They say $30,000 or $29,900 before tax credits dropping to $22,400 after tax credits if the vehicles of course get made for that price and in the United States but that's the plan It'll be produced at the old Lordstown plant. Therefore, it will be made on US soil with batteries that are eligible for the full tax credit. And so if you have uh, the tax liability of $7,500, which they can they can write off, and my goodness me, I wish these all these credits were fully refundable for those that don't earn enough to be fully, but don't get me started, um, to be fully ed- eligible. The Fisker Pair... Uh, electric hatchback will arrive in the UK in 2025. Uh, over here, it'll have a starting price of 28,000 UK pounds. Well, the pair will have 35% fewer parts than the ocean, making it more simple and cheaper to produce. It'll be made of steel, which is cheaper but heavier than aluminium. Uh, they call it the so-called Houdini door, which vanishes into the car body, uh, a front drawer-like storage area, which they have called fruit, which is what Johnny Smith called the front trunk or the front boot. Uh, The boot folds away into the rear bumper along with a deep storage compartment uh, to simplify cargo loading. There's a central computing platform with more centralised ECUs, reduces material cost and increasing performance. That's the beauty if you are Fisker and you are designing a car from scratch. And you're going to the, you know, the best suppliers out there and, you know, not the suppliers that want to sell you a million different ECUs and loads of cabling and wiring looms around the car the way the cars have always been built. But a very simple central processor, uh, high voltage system, reduce the cost. That's what you can do if it's a blank piece of paper. Uh, The pair is described as software driven, not hardware driven. And, you you know, long term listeners of this show know that I've been banging the drum for a long time. The way that electric vehicles are going, it firstly allows new startups like the Chinese, like brands like 
you know, lucid Rivian Fisker uh, to come from nowhere and create something. But also, I it, I believe, I so believe, it will seriously commoditize vehicles. And I know that. CEO of Ford, Jim Farley, said recently, we're not going to get into that game. We're going to, you know, we've got a strong brand. We can charge for our vehicles. I get it. I get that. I just disagree that I think that when anybody can make anything and electric motors, batteries, and, you know, simple computer and a screen is all you need to make a really great car and you don't care about driving dynamics and how the thing is tuned etc because most people don't let's face it uh, then it, it enormously commoditizes the automobile and so you like they'll then have brand association so you'll drive a mercedes because it's built well and because of all the things that you think mercedes-benz stands for um or you'll drive it because it connects with your life because of the smart speakers you use at home or because it's just because it's the cheapest out there and you don't care that fisker is a name that you've never heard of and if these vehicles are software driven vehicles not hardware driven vehicles if that makes sense connectivity becomes you know more important uh, the interior very spartan focusing on utility rather than luxury it'll seat five or six people the pair suv Two battery sizes, the smaller one up to 150 miles of range, the larger one up to 300 miles of range. They say the smaller pack uh, will be popular amongst city buyers. I guess so. I guess depends on where you sell the car. In Europe, yes, as long as it's you know decent and you know in the middle of winter, it's not going to go to 75 miles range, for instance. But wait and see. Fisker aims to produce a million vehicles annually. Well, I'm sure they do. I'd like to have a 32-inch waist like it was when I wet my, met my wife when we were 18 years old. That'd be wonderful. But hey, we can all hope for great things like Fisker making a million vehicles a year. Reservations are open now, by the way, for the pair at $250. They also unveiled the Ronin. This is interesting. The Ronin is a convertible Grand Tourer. Fisker's Ronin is a unique sports car with a long, really long hood, very pronounced rear deck. Trying to think what it reminds me of. There's bits of BMW Z4 that remind on the back of that, uh, with a design that hints at the brand's future. Described as an ultimate long-distance grand tourer by Henrik Fisker, it's a four-door five-seat GT car and it has reverse opening rear doors and a it's a five-seat hardtop convertible I'm sure it is I mean they can say anything at this stage can't they uh, it's powered by magic fairy dust got a thousand horsepower not to 60 in two seconds um, that's all what they said by the way apart from the magic pixie fairy dust triple motor all-wheel drive 600 miles of range give it a thousand miles it's two thousand miles of range you can say what you want at this stage the vehicle may never be built uh, the design might model lacked an interior of course but they said it'll have swiveling screens and recycled materials and all the things they're meant to say uh, two thousand dollars deposit will secure your place in the queue for this um, if you're not going to be buying one of the competitors from polestar or tesla or uh, whatever uh, according to autocar magazine henrik fisker previously revealed to Autocar uh, that the development of the Ronin is being run by Fisker's facility in the UK, led by the ex-Aston Martin special vehicles boss Dave King. It's a big challenge because it needs a unique, innovative and strong lower structure to compensate for the lack of a B-pillar to sustain side impacts, uh, they said, but they're working on that. And, I, you know, I know I'm, I'm slightly sometimes cynical about these things. Good luck to them developing that vehicle. Good luck to them. They're also going to talk about the Alaska as well. They did talk about the Alaska. And, and that's a pickup truck. And it, it does, I'll report it because it's interesting to me, but can they just get the ocean out there? The ocean is having such a hard time even getting in customers' hands. And now they're launching a 
$300,000 GT car. They're talking about the pair. I'm about to tell you about the Alaska pickup truck. This is like saying to your wife when she's just gone into labour, you've gone to the hospital having your first child and, and they're about to start saying push and you go, hold on a second. Can we put some dates in the diary for our next three kids? And what do you want to call the fourth one? And it's like, that would get you pretty short shrift. And it's exactly the same with car companies that haven't birthed their first vehicle yet. And they're like, don't worry about that. Here's number two, three, four. You, you know my frustrations with Tesla on unveiling things in 2017 that haven't arrived yet and saying the cars will drive themselves across the country. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all interesting to talk about, but it's just all hot air. Let's talk about the Fisker Alaska, a lightweight electric pickup truck that'll cost $45,000, says Henrik Fisker, launching in 2025 on the FT31 platform, an extended version of the structure used by the current vehicle, the Fisker Ocean. So it'll be a compact and affordable electric truck, they say, and with a lightweight aluminium and composite construction aiming for 340 miles on that one. Reservations open, refundable deposit of $250 if you'd like to get in the queue for that. A focus on urban use rather than heavy duty off-roading. So more of a lifestyle pickup really on this. No details on powertrain, battery range, etc., etc. No fully confirmed details. But uh, they did say that it would have a Houdini bed, like the Houdini door, earlier on, which uh, is a divider to connect the cargo bed and the rear cabin. Uh, the vehicle has, uh, they said, a sort of a fabric and wooden trim inside, uh, I suppose similar to the ocean in the California mode. Fisker's reservation system lets you pick your vehicle, the colour, and even add the solar roof option. But like I say, these are all pie in the sky. Let's talk about the ocean. I'm so excited about the Fisker Ocean because they said it, they did it, they've gone public. And they're bringing the vehicle to market. Now, I've got two friends that are in uh, that are in queue, in the queue. They've got their deposit in. Uh, both in the UK, because they're not US buyers. I think the first, however many, 10 vehicles have been delivered in the US. And one of the, and I haven't asked his permission to say his name, so I won't out of respect, just because I think it'd be fine. But anyway, um, he was recently in America with the guy that runs the Fiskarati website and went for a drive in the Fisker Ocean and said, it's very impressive. It's very good. There are, you know, if you don't follow the Fiskarati uh, channel, there are downsides to the ocean. Like at the minute, it's hot in California and the seats get unbearably hot. And this guy has to put cold towels down before he can get in his car. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not It's not funny. I mean, if you just spend money on, a, on a, you know, a new car and you can't get in it without a cold towel. I, You know, seriously. But the car is... Otherwise, it was well put together, and it should do because it's a decent company they've they've contracted to make the thing. Uh, they have slashed their production forecasts for this year, though, for the ocean to just 20,000 vehicles, down from 30,000 vehicles previously, attributed to short-term, short-term capacity constraints and supplies. Um, and uh, the company's output forecast for the ocean this year was cut originally from a 36000 a year uh, for this year estimate. The stock price fell by 6%. The vehicle, the Ocean, is being assembled in Austria, operated by Magna at the plant in Graz there. Uh, but Henrik Fisker says the supply chain is, um, uh, is what's held it up and is working to resolve a parts issue. Uh, he expressed frustration at the delay, but promised a huge acceleration of deliveries in August. Well, we're in August, so we'll watch that. In the second quarter, they made 1000 22 of the oceans uh, and again they were hoping to make 1700 of them they reported a loss of 87 million which is nothing really in car world and they had revenue of 825 uh 
uh, what is it? They sold 11 vehicles. So $825,000, I think, from those 11 vehicles. So again, it's nothing. It's a small car company. Uh, and it's we wish them all the best. Good luck, Fisker. We want you to do well. Ultimately, this is a tiny, tiny car company now unveiling that, you know, trying to operate multiple car programs all at once. Fabulously difficult thing to do. Um, good luck. Good luck to them. Right, let's move on. And BHP, uh, the mining giant, and Toyota of Australia have signed a an agreement to decarbonise BHP's fleet, they say, by electrifying the 5,000 fleet vehicles they have in Australia. Uh, they were very clear to say that they are electrifying the electrification of the BHP fleet. Well, that would be because Toyota don't have any electric cars that they can put into the BHP fleet, isn't it? They'll just be hybrids. Uh, Toyota not yet released any fully electric vehicles in Australia, but they do want to launch the BZ4X at some point in Down Under, and two others as well. Otherwise, they've just got hybrids. Uh, BHP, the mining company, of course, has a big interest in trying to tell people, look, I know that we dig things out of the ground and we do lots of environmental things that some people don't uh, you know particularly approve of um but we're doing our best to go green replacing our diesel haulage trucks with electric ones uh, trying to reduce our emissions etc etc but still doing a deal with toyota to electrify their fleet that's only going to end one way and the answer is hybrids and that's a cop-out which is a shame. Let's talk about some real EVs and batteries that go in them, the global EV battery consumption uh, that witnessed a huge rise in the first six months of the year, a 50% increase on the same time last year. The numbers on EV growth, battery growth, etc., it's just all so impressive at the moment. I know that there's been a bit of a wobble and some people are seeing uh, dealers with EVs in stock, yet because cars are always in stock and we've just been so used over the last eight years to there being a shortage of electric vehicles now there's there there might be one at a dealer where you can go along and you like it and you buy it and you drive it home so that's normal and so but because that's happening for the first time some people are saying oh well there's no demand for evs couldn't be further from the truth yes there's been a wobble things are still increasing at such a rip though catl the chinese battery power giant led the global market with the battery installations totaling 112 gigawatt hours in the first half of this year alone, up 50% on the same time the previous year. It's got a 37% market share of all electric vehicle batteries, the only battery supply globally with a share over 30%. Amazing major passenger EV models in China uh, that have the CATL batteries, the Model 3 from Tesla, Model Y, the SAIC Mulan, GAC's Ion, and the Y, and the Neos as well have those batteries. Another big player is BYD. Talk about them all the time. Not enough people talk about BYD. They're just doing incredible things. Battery installations of 47 gigawatt hours in the first half of the year. 100% increase on the previous year. These companies are growing at such a fast rate. And they were second. BYD's growth uh, is attributed to their price competitiveness in China, how vertically integrated they are. BYD it really is a company that do utterly everything. I think I've told this story before that in COVID when they said, you know, you know, obviously there's the famous story of Elon Musk said, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to make respirators and I've got the best talent. And none of it ever happened. Of course, it was just a thing to once again, pump him, pump his ego, pump the company, etc. Not, you know, and that's fine. That's what he does and people fall for it. But BYD genuinely was a company that's so vertically integrated that when the management said, let's, I think it was face masks, they pivoted their business to or something like that. Uh, within a week, they were producing millions 
and they responded to what the world crisis needed. And BYD genuinely delivered. Not in the focuses on BYD. Such an amazing EV company. Uh, the Atto 3 model is powered, uh, propelled BYD's presence in China and other parts of the world as well, like in Sweden of all places. Um, LG were next, the South Korean company with 14 share, and uh, then Panasonic with a 7 share, uh, SK from uh, South Korea with a 5 share, and so it goes down. Other companies like CALB, uh, EVE, Samsung, Goshen, Sunwoda, and more uh, have much smaller shares of the EV battery market. Right, coming up soon, we'll talk about... How expensive it may be to build an electric vehicle if negotiations continue the way they are. And we'll talk a little bit about the London ULES scrappage scheme. Stick around, those stories and more are on the way. Okay, let's talk a little bit about California's EV surge. One in four new cars are now uh, green, so-called green zero emission cars. Uh, The Achievement Alliance with California's climate goals we've long talked about back in April. They surpassed their goal of selling 1.5 million EVs two years ahead of schedule. uh, Governor Gavin Newsom highlighted California's role in fostering innovation and the EV industry. A quarter of all cars sold last quarter uh, were electric vehicles, 126,000 of them. 1.6 million EVs now sold in California. It's 34% of all EV sales in the US come from California. It's huge. Now, let's talk about buying an EV, and you want it to be affordable, you want it to be at the right price, but I also want the people that make that vehicle to be paid a fair day's wage for a fair day's work. The United Auto Workers Union is seeking a pay rise, though, of 40% for their workforce from Ford, GM and Stellantis. Wouldn't we all love a 40% pay rise? The proposed deal is all part of the shift to electrification and the demand for raises way more than the previous negotiation in 2019, which was 3% raises plus 4% lump sum payments. Look, I want people to be paid well and and get treated well and have union representation if they want it. And to to get a fair day's wage. But it's not like inflation's running through the roof in America. It's pegged at 3%. They want to, uh, there probably there might be some more interest rate rises that are highest in 22 years, I think, in the US. But, uh, you know, Europe, here in the UK and the European Union, inflation is running at a much higher pace than in the United States. You know, I'm sure cost of living is getting expensive for everyone. I know that. Um, but the US has really got it under control. So you can say that it's, it, you know, everyone's bills are going up, but then to argue for a 40% pay rise. Well, of course, that then feeds into the price that we pay for the electric cars that we want to drive. And now the president of the Workers' Union uh, said that he justified the request by pointing out that the CEOs get paid lots of money. Well, that's true, but also they they have the responsibility on their shoulders of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of workers and pivoting this once-in-a-generation shift, these companies get it wrong at any stage and it could spell disaster. So I'm not saying that they work harder than somebody on the production line. It's just you know, it's just a different different set of of uh, you know things to be remunerated for. But anyway, uh, that it would be a huge impact on if it was going to cost so much more to build vehicles, the price that well, we would all pay. And then you know what I'm going to say. Oh, and also the United uh, 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 Auto Workers Union. <laughs> it's so late, my brain stopped then um, that they want to get. Do a 32-hour work week, but get paid 40 hours of worth of pay. Well, <laughs> we all? That would be amazing. Um, yeah, and so you know, you know what's coming next. You know where I'm going with this. 
the Chinese don't give a damn about a 40% pay rise for union workers in America. They're going to sell you a really good cheap EV. I'll give you the facts. You can decide whether it's good or bad. I won't tell you my personal (laughs) opinion on that. You know, I think long-term listeners know I am inclined to the worker. Uh, I'm inclined to unions of collective bargaining, etc., etc. So kind of where I lean, but... 40% 40% a lot, isn't it? Uh, let's talk a little bit about Fiat of Europe standing by their dealerships. Fiat's European head has emphasised the importance of their dealerships, saying that they're the engine of brands like Fiat. And contrary to the growing trend of direct-to-consumer online sales, they believe the significance of the dealer network, especially in Italy, Germany, France, UK countries like that. They're the face of the brand, they say, the ambassadors, and they need um, dealers much more than they need online sales. Let's talk about London's ULES scheme. London's mayor has expanded the uh, ultra-low emission zone scrappage scheme to more people to uh, the standard allowance of £2,000. They said was in- insufficient for people to buy a compliant vehicle. Uh, but despite the criticism, uh, they have carried on with that. Uh, also, they, they've carried on with a scheme, which many people don't like, because they, if you drive a very, very... And most cars... Are, in, are, are compliant now. But if you drive a very old, dirty, polluting car, uh, then you have to pay a fee uh, to drive into that zone in, in, in a city. And a city like London, a city like London, uh, which we lived in for many years before we get back down to the beach, um, you know, 4,000 4, Londoners die prematurely every year because of air pollution. So I, have very, I don't have any uh, patience with those people that you see interviewed on TV going, oh, I want to drive my SUV into central London. It's not fair. My rights are being impinged to go and pollute people. And it's like, well, you know, nobody wants to have a close friend or relative, you know, affected by the awful things of air pollution. But all of a sudden, hey, imagine someone, you know, someone who is, you know, a lung cancer because they live, all they can afford to do is live by a main road. And then you might not be saying, oh, I want to drive my SUV because I want to. It's like, mm kind of maybe think about your neighbour as well. And, uh, you know, it's not gone down well, but uh, there is a scrappage scheme in place to replace your disgusting, dirty old diesels with cars that are more compliant. They're not even new cars. It's like Euro Euro 4 emission standard, which was decades ago. Anyway, it's not quite that, but, uh, you know, and and diesels have to be Euro 6, which is still... Just drive, just don't drive those cars. Uh, the new scrappage scheme, though, uh, I mentioned it at the beginning of the story, uh, £2,000 was deemed not enough. It's now £10,000 per claimant. Um, the standard allowance is £2,000, but you can claim more, I think, in certain eligibilities. Right, a couple more stories. Germany's EV sales are going through the roof. Polestar, Tesla and MG are leading the charge. Battery electric EV registrations in Germany was up 70% last month in July, uh, with a 20% market share of new vehicles were full BEV, and that's really high, and Germany's the biggest car market in, in the European Union as well. Uh, doing well, as I say, Polestar, MG, Tesla, BYD, Great Wall Motors there as well. And finally, um, the the story I gave you recently on the podcast about why the French are not worried about the influx of Chinese cars. They said, don't worry, we'll, we'll solve it with subsidies. We'll give away free money. We'll make our cars, you know, Peugeot and Citroën. We'll make them cheaper, don't worry. And I, 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 I scoffed at that a little because... Uh, you know, underestimate the influx of the Chinese cars at your peril. Um, but they had reason 
to be bolstered because this news came through today that the European Commission has given the green light for France to provide state aid of 1.5 billion euros uh, to Prologium Technologies to bolster research and development of EV batteries. They're a Taiwanese uh, company and they supply or they work with the likes of Mercedes, Stellantis, Total. And it's a, it's a project that runs until the end of the decade to develop solid-state batteries to overcome some of the constraints of lithium-ion battery technology and uh, create high-density batteries too. And recycling, uh, Prologium is committed to sharing the technical expertise gained with the industry and then academia as well. France, of course, has to go to the European Commission to get the green light because it's, it's state aid and they were allowed to do that. So maybe they'll be able to do that with their French car company or French brands as well. And they think that they would get the, uh, the go-ahead with that, we'll wait and see. But that particular deal there is uh, is a good one. Their first European factory for Prologium is going to be in France with a 5.2 billion euro investment uh, to create 48 gigawatt hours of batteries every year. And that's your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo IE and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse Global Public Charging Made Simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a short podcast on a Saturday. 25 minutes. Goodness, I'm sorry.